The Rebel Movement Club by Move With Billy has been described as a space that gathers up all the misfits and makes them feel at home. It's a virtual club where there is yoga classes, mobility classes, workout classes every single week. And it's a month by month membership. Best part is it's queer safe, led by someone who is queer and non-binary. It is trauma-informed, led by someone who has experienced trauma and it's truly anti-diet, like nothing to do with diet culture here. It's a space where you can show up as yourself, practice online, you can get the recordings and really have this space and the freedom encouragement to listen to your body, notice how movements feel in your body and go from there. There's three different tiers of membership options, whether you want to practice five times a month with the live classes, or up to VIP where you want to do all the classes and get personalized one-on-one -on -one support. Each membership has a bunch of perks. You get all of the on-demand, you get discounts, you get free workshops, you get, it's so great. Join the club today by clicking the link in the show notes and enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to Rebel Movement Podcast. My name is Billy. My pronouns are they, them, or she, her, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have another awesome guest, and I'm so excited to have this conversation because I've, I'm trying not to give anything away, but I've had conversations about today's topic with a few clients this past couple of weeks. So I think it sort of really lands at a good time. So welcome to Bethany Shields. I'm so excited you're here. Can you tell us your name, pronouns, and a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Bethany Shields. My pronouns are she, her. I am a certified master health coach specializing in behavior change psychology and nutrition for athletes. I help people ditch diets, get strong AF, and build sustainable healthy habits for life. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about what I do. Nice. Um, Bethany and I met Oh, well, because we because we're, we were both on the panel for uh, inclusivity for uh, fitness professionals, and um, so before we'd like done the panel, we had chatted a little bit um, about doing the podcast, and then we did the panel, and I was excited before, but then we did the panel, and I was like, oh, this is going to be such a good conversation. So <laughs> I'm very excited you're here. Thank you for <laughs> for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we get into, I don't even know, before we get into the big topic, um, I guess I'll just quickly say that both, like both of us, you know this, but I'm just saying this for people listening, both of us work in like movements or the like fitness industry and are anti-diet teachers. Um, and I think that there's, what we're talking about today is something that I've seen and I'm sure, I'm so sure you've seen it too, is um, oh, athletes of various types, um, there being this idea that athletes need to look a certain way. And yeah, so, yeah. so today we're talking about um, more kind of specifically endurance, endurance athletes, but I've had this come up. So yesterday, when when we're recording this yesterday, I had a client who was talking to me about realizing that they felt like they 
couldn't be like a runner or any of these other like other sports like um like rock climbing or what are some other ones um biking I guess would be one or these kinds of things because of their they didn't look like the the you know athletes you usually see for that and this happens with a lot of different industries a lot of different types of movement and this is not the first client that I've had this happen with this like idea that you can't do movement a certain type of movement because you don't look like all the people who do yoga who are in magazines or whatever right Mm -hmm. and I think like a lot of us are probably guilty of that thought process like I know when I was getting started with running which was back in 2016 prior to that walk only Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like and I would do like some weightlifting but it was always um on a on again off again situation based on um whether or not I was trying to lose weight at the time right so which is not the space I'm in right now but back in 2016 I started running and I was like I had started by walking but I'm like I have never seen anyone out here in my shape and size of body uh, even attempting to run so I'm like Mm. I don't like I don't even know if this is possible (laughs) yeah but then I'm like there's this couch to 5k app like I could try like the worst that's going to happen is it's going to be awful and I can't make it past 10 seconds right Mm -hmm. well made it past 10 seconds it was possible (laughs) once we got up to that eight minute eight minute interval uh that took a few weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was not so easy (laughs) but like I think at that time there was just not a lot of representation of other sizes and shapes of bodies outside of what's considered a traditional runner's body whatever the hell that is basically like something tall, lean, muscular, and thin, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the conception most people have of what a runner's body might look like. Um, And if you can't see my body on this podcast, I can give you a quick quick explanation that it is not any of those things. It is short, wide, stocky, (laughs) and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, fat mass on this body. <laughs> so one of the things that I encountered, like, first of all, there's like not a lot of representation of other large bodied runners. And when you have a lot of fat on your body, it moves and like getting the gear that is appropriate so that you're comfortable and not like constantly pulling your tights up every three seconds or trying to oh, wear like so three three bras to like hold everything in place so you know as I got more and more into running things had started to change like there was more representation of different sizes and shapes of bodies running I was actually able to hook up with um, Jill Angie who is a fat running coach and works primarily with larger bodied athletes um and people like Myrna Valerio, like seeing her out there and being very inspired by all of her endurance running, um, that gave me the vision that like, oh, hey, it's possible. And then 
we started to get more gear available <laughs> for people in larger bodies, which has made it a lot better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot more useful and I'm sure yeah. a lot less annoying. Because I know yeah. just like the pants falling down one, it's like, it's oh my god, you can't even overload thing for me. Right. Well, and <laughs> yeah. then it's like if you're spending your entire run of multiple miles pulling up your shorts or pulling down your shorts, if you have yeah. the thigh gobble situation that I have. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> um, like that, it literally takes any joy that you had out yeah. of the run because you're That's just so like adjusting yourself the entire time. And then yeah. it's like you don't feel as confident as you could. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. true. Um, okay. I want to come back to this in a second, but, and I'm sorry, this is so, this is very, I should have asked this first, but I got okay. so excited. Um, can you like tell us a little bit about your like history with, um, if you feel like it, your history with movement or diet culture and sort of like how you got to starting running in 2016? Yeah, so I definitely was the kid who hated gym class. I was very, um, I was always in a larger body as a child, and I was encouraged to lose weight as a child for my health, you know, Um, health in quotes. quotes. (laughs) (laughs) When you throw a doctor on it, it's health, yes. So Right. So that was, I think, because of that, I developed a very, like, I hate everything about this relationship with gym class and all things fitness, Um, particularly running, because I do remember that lovely, like, timed mile that we had in gym class for the presidential (laughs) fitness test. Um, So, yeah. yeah, that was never enjoyable. But, um, once I was in college, like I I started like working out at the gym a little bit. Um, and a little backstory, like my previous uh career, I went to school for music. Um, I did my bachelor's, master's, and a PhD in music. Um, so one of my voice teachers was like, oh, get on some cardio and do elliptical and treadmill. It'll help with your breath control and swimming will help with that. So I started to like lift weights when I was an undergrad. And I really like enjoyed that just as like a thought, you know, something fun to do. It made me feel good in my body. And like, I liked kind of like the competitiveness of it with myself. Um, not that I was being measured up against other people yeah. and their capability. Um, but I would say like my whole relationship with fitness probably up until a few years ago was always very centered on weight loss. Um, that was the primary focus of what that was about. And because of that, like, I don't think it was always joyful. <laughs> for me because I was very focused that it was for a purpose um but I did get really into uh weightlifting for a while I started running um and during like when I started running it was super challenging because I started running when I was still in a pretty sizable body (laughs) more of like what I look like right now Um, 
and as I was running more, had lost a lot of weight, um, which is neither here nor there. It's just the facts. <laughs> and um, then I had like, as I was doing, um, as I started to get into running and actually like enjoy it and realize like there was like training involved in it and you can't just show, I mean, you can just show up for a race, but generally the the recovery period doesn't feel very good. (laughs) It's not just like, Oh, Hey, we're going to like run a 5k every month just for fun. Like, I feel like maybe if you train for a while, you get to that place, but Mm -hmm. uh, when you're new, that's not, (laughs) not how that goes. Yeah. So once I um, got got involved with my running coach, then I started to understand that you can have a training plan and you can actually like train to do these things and you can add mileage. And and then I started to have a much healthier relationship with running and fitness. Um, and I had a hip injury, I want to say last year. Um, where I had to kind of like pivot my goals because I had this like big idea that I was going to run an mm-hmm. ultra marathon and literally like three weeks into training I hurt my hip with hip oh, bursitis no. so uh, last summer I switched to um, my mom had an indoor bike that she wasn't using and I was like oh I'll take this thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah And then I was like obsessed because I was already using Peloton app for weights and stuff at home because of COVID and not being in the gym anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was obsessed with riding indoors and it was super convenient. I didn't have to leave my house and the training was a lot shorter than running. Like I didn't have to plan like a whole day to go out and, you know, plan like how I was going to fuel myself and where I was going to stash things and less complicated, lower barrier of entry. Um, So that has been really positive for me just to like become really consistent with doing that. So part of what I've been working on since last summer is building up my training and I'm working towards a century ride on my indoor bike, which is a really weird unicorn thing that I think most people think of a century ride as something you do with a race with other cyclists, but no, I went I think rogue. I know what a ride is. It's just a hundred miles. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So I'm just doing that at home um, on my bike, and it's going to cool. take a few hours. <laughs> Probably. We're building up to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense with a hundred miles. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like my cool. my whole athletic life. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I started moving for like like very similar history in some ways, but it was like for, at the time it was for weight loss. Even when I started yoga, it was um, with a, someone who lived in the house I lived in as a kid. And it was like yoga for weight loss and yoga for dummies for the two DVDs we had. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it was sort of a similar thing like the intention at the beginning was always weight loss but then Mm -hmm. somewhere in there there'd be a mixture of other benefits too like I'd sleep better and I'd be less stressed out and like I started noticing a lot of mental health stuff so that was when I moved into the anti-diet world um like I don't know how long ago five years ago or so it was a fair that part of it was fairly easy because I'd already kind of switched that 
intention over, but um, a lot of the time it was, especially running was one that was a, like connected with my eating disorders and my like not great motivation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it is definitely an interesting thing to approach those again. Cause I think that some of these things like weightlifting, I think is one too running and I'm just speaking from my own experience like it might be yeah. a different per person but I feel like there's certain activities we see as more like either we've really connected them with weight loss in our past or it's been connected because it's all in mm-hmm. the magazines or or whatever and sometimes it feels difficult to try those things again and recognize that like hey this does not have to be for this and I can like still listen to my body it doesn't have to be the same approaches before like the no pain no gain just go all in and like all those you know uh toxic beliefs about movement yes I think like 100% with that like it's really um one of my personal challenges that I always come up against with any sort of athletic anything I am a very I have a very um, prominent overachieving part of myself (laughs) that (laughs) loves to like, it loves to come in. It's like Monica on Friends with the board games. Like we're crazy and it's all in and, you know, we're here to win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like I can get a little bit like that with myself. So when I start to realize that like, what am I doing with my movement, right? Is it? can I actually like accomplish something and celebrate that? Or are we just moving yeah. on to the next thing? Mm-hmm. So I am, I have developed a lot more awareness around that, that we're not just like chasing the next goal all yeah. the time. And that like, there can be progress and you can celebrate the progress, but it doesn't have to be, all right, that's done and now we have to move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. Um, yeah, that's so true. I think it's, there's definitely like layers I find to that transition. Mm-hmm. I think if there's, uh, as a part of my club and with like most of my clients actually, there I encourage them near the beginning of working with me to notice their um, intentions with movement. And sometimes it's like impossible to know. So I also encourage them to notice how they feel during, like before, during and after their movement so that we can start to notice things like that. Cause we might not even, some some folks and myself included might not have even necessarily noticed that like, right. you know, if you are doing yoga, for example, you feel less stress, if you feel more calm or if mm-hmm. you are, I don't know, walking outside or inside or whatever, you feel like you sleep better. Those are mm-hmm. not necessarily things we've been taught to notice because we've just been taught um, movement equals weight loss and then movement equals right. calorie food and yeah. like, yeah, like all this stuff. That's exactly like not even the coolest part of the movement, <laughs> right? Just, you know, anyway. Yeah. But I think like that's super, super interesting because like, I know for me, one of the things that I noticed now that I don't think I was ever really super aware of before is that the way that I was able to develop more consistency 
with my movement is focusing on how I feel afterward Mm. and the positive benefits of how I have more energy and I'm able to like get through the day in a more perhaps pleasant state of being (laughs) (laughs) because I'm at like, you know, my nervous system is relaxed and now ready to handle all of these things that I've burnt off some stress. But Mm. um, I think before I probably had no, no awareness of that at all. But and just being able to identify things like that it creates energy, that you're able to sleep better, that you feel better in terms of being able to handle your stress and manage your stressors. Yeah, that's so true. Do you find that with certain types of movement, um, you come up against like, I just don't want to do this, even though, you know, like now that you've recognized like how you feel after that you feel like your nervous system is more chill, technical terms. Yeah. <laughs> um, you feel, you still have that block of like, I don't want to do this. Does that still, ha- does that happen with you? I definitely feel like younger me is always going to rebel under, <laughs> against <laughs> any kind it. of movement. It's like, <laughs> why do we have to do this today? Yeah. Right. And so what I do, like, nine times out of 10, I can take that thought and be like, I'm doing this because I get to do this. Mm -hmm. And my body is able to do this. And I feel better after. Yeah. (laughs) But it doesn't, like, how I approach this is, I don't always have to want to in the moment. And that positive effect afterward is more beneficial than arguing my with myself before it happened (laughs) and what will what will happen every single time is like when you have this argument with yourself about motivation you're always gonna lose (laughs) (laughs) so it's like if I just remember okay I feel better when this is done Mm -hmm. that's enough (laughs) yeah and then you get to just have another day of doing something in your body that maybe at another time was challenging or maybe at another time you weren't able to do. So yeah, celebrate that. Yeah. I really like that. I do a similar thing of reminding myself like, okay, I will feel better after. Mm -hmm. And it's um, one thing I find, and I don't don't know if you found this too, that because I've done that and I'll I'll do that. Like I think you already know what I've been running more recently. Yeah. that resistance happens like a lot in the run too I don't run I don't like love running (laughs) yeah but I love how I feel after so I have done this practice I think I'm on week five of the of the app I'm using and um I also I now I have this feeling of like hey I did this thing that sucked and I didn't want to do it but I felt better after and like knowing that feels like I feel a little bit more badass because I'm like, hey, if mm-hmm. I can do this thing that sucks, <laughs> like I can do this other thing. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And I always joke, I used to have a love-hate relationship with running, but actually it was like a hate-hate <laughs> relationship because yeah, I like yeah. totally had to psych myself up just to get my sneakers on to do it. And then I would be like mm-hmm. halfway through and be like, all right, this is, this is tolerable, but I'm still not I'm not here. I'm not loving this. But eventually, like I did feel 
I don't know that I ever felt like runner's high. (laughs) Even after half marathons, I don't think I felt runner's high. I felt tired. But um, I think like it's that sense of accomplishment in doing it that was motivating for me. And it kind of helps you build that self-efficacy in knowing that you can do it. And also the accountability of showing up for yourself so that you can do those things again and again. And it doesn't always have to be like, I think it's hard for our brains to accept that (laughs) we don't always have to want to. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, it is really. I mean, it should be something like in an ideal world, something that you enjoy Mm -hmm. that you would like to do because if it provides no joy, then that's kind of a little bit of a struggle bus, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, that's so true. And I think it's, um, usually when I'm like, when I'm recommending this, like with say a client or talking with a friend or whatever, when they're at the point where they're, you know, have been out of diet culture for a little bit, they're like ready to do a little bit of movement. Mm-hmm. I'll usually I'll usually suggest doing the things that they like doing first because I feel like you have to sort of build that I don't know, remind yourself of the things you like doing that involve movement and then just kind of experiment like play with things like you don't have to run you don't have to do you know do things that you hate the whole time and you you don't find it helps you at all after but right yeah yeah and I think that was something that was different for me with um biking was that like I had done sun spinning like a few years ago and I remember that I was really good at it and I went fast but Mm -hmm. that I was dead (laughs) like (laughs) two days after each workout and my butt Mm -hmm. hurt really a lot so when I got that bike I was like "Mm, okay like you used to be good at this, but this is probably not going to be, but it's just like an experiment. So we'll put on some Cody Rigsby and have him pump us up full of positive affirmations and <laughs> see, see how it goes. But I actually, I found that um, I really got into it and it was fun and just like different from running where you're just, you know, pumping your tunes and yeah feeling the breeze outside yeah that's true did you do you find this is a little bit random or not random but it's like a little detour I guess do you still find that your butt hurts from the seat though uh yeah especially on a very long ride I just did um I had like four hours on my plan on Saturday and I got to hour three and I I called it at hour three um but that was like it was related to like a a knee pain that I was feeling that wasn't like could have kept going but I had a battle with my perfectionist brain and Mm -hmm. I allowed myself to listen to my body and be compassionate to myself and I called it at three hours because I had been in that seat longer before and we're going to keep on rolling and it's fine Mm -hmm. Mm um but yes anything over an hour total butthurt like I haven't found it gets better and like I know I can do some things to make it more comfortable for myself I haven't done that yet (laughs) I know I could go buy a pair of padded bike shorts and I'm like I feel like I'm 
naturally I have a lot of padding there and I think I'm okay. Like yeah. we're, just, <laughs> we're rocking it out for now. Yeah. yeah. When it gets to the point that I can't tolerate it, then I'll get a pair of padded bike shorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um I can't even do I have a stationary bike that just like got off my partner got for us off like GG or Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we even got a new seat that's like more comfortable and like 10 minutes and I'm like, I can't, it hurts my tail, like yeah. my bones and my butt too much. Yep. And this, this seat is a little bit wider than a traditional spin seat, which I think makes it that would make a difference. more comfortable, but it's still like the way that it is, is yeah. not that's ideal. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you find like in this process, have you had the experience of realizing that like your body is capable of way more than you gave it credit for when you were like before you were out of diet culture? Yeah. Like 1000%. Like I actually have lost a lot of weight at one point and I was able to do things that I had never done in my larger body before, like run, Mm -hmm. um, like run a half marathon, but I had gained weight after that. And while my mileage might not be half marathon right now, because I just, I haven't been training because of my hip injury. Yeah. There is no way in hell in like 2015 or before that 2016 or before that, that I would have been able to probably ride 10 miles on an indoor bike, let alone 75 Mm-hmm. and doing like the amount of weekly mileage that I'm training with or like deadlifting the amount that I can deadlift so like my strength and endurance is much like miles away from yeah where it used to be even though I am in a larger body yeah so like I feel like on a surface level like a lot of people may look at this body and make assumptions about what it is capable of doing that's fine um but it can do more than what most people would assume yeah yeah I think that's so important I think it's that realization that you were saying that you had lost weight and you were did these things you hadn't done before you hadn't tried before and then you were back you were like toward like a, a in a larger body and then could do way more than that sort of that realization that like hey this is not body size related it's like I can do whatever the heck I want whatever the fuck I want yeah anytime really and it's just based on like have I trained for this thing no probably can't do this thing right off the like right right off the bat then I probably have to train for it Yeah. yeah exactly and I think like even though yeah So like when I had lost weight, even though I was able to do things that I hadn't been able to do in a larger body prior to that, I think because of the way that I was not fueling myself, Uh, I also, I could have been able to do a lot more if I had fueled myself properly, but because diet culture, like no carbs, thank you, ma'am. Um, yeah. but we learn and now we know better so yeah <laughs> and it sounds like maybe the reason that you hadn't done some of these things is because you hadn't tried to do them until, right. until this point yeah. yeah 
the food thing is so is such a good point um I have just have to actually maybe I'll ask you this now because I said I was going to circle back and then I forgot yeah. Yeah. um what are some things that you have found helpful to um make endurance sports it could be running it could be biking it could be weightlifting more comfortable in your body like to make them work better for you but whether you I know you talked about like um sports bras and like um shorts riding up and stuff like what kinds of things do you find helpful okay so <clears throat> from a gear perspective having gear that fits your body number one game changer yeah <laughs> I know like when I was in a smaller body and had a lot of loose skin, um, that was very uncomfortable with running and without any sort of compression gear, mm -mm. <laughs> didn't really feel great. So being able to find things that feel good and whether or not you like to be compressed or not, that's a personal you know, thing. A lot of people mm -hmm. in bigger bodies do like to have a little bit of squeeziness <laughs> on them just to kind of like support you in mm -hmm. movement. Um, so I'm one that like, I like a little bit of squeeziness, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of really high quality gear that's available for people in bigger bodies. I like um, skirt sports has a lot of great tights. Um, she fit has great bras because they have the zip and the little hook situation and oh, also nice. super fit hero um they are on the pricey end of but i feel like most tights are on the pricey end of life now we're yeah. looking upwards <laughs> of 90 dollars, but i will say those last for ever <laughs> like yeah. you can wear them i wore them through two half marathon training cycles mm -hmm. and it's like for all my runs and they are still they're still kicking <laughs> um awesome. but those are wonderful because like nothing nothing moves like once mm -hmm. they're on they don't slide or roll or anything they're great that's awesome um so gear that fits it allows your brain to like focus on your training and not what is what is moving what's popping out or jiggling or anything <laughs> yeah yeah right um so that and like with that also good footwear right making sure if you're running that you have been fitted for proper running shoes wearing running socks all of that stuff makes mm -hmm. it just makes your work more comfortable <laughs> um as far as now I want to make sure that I'm getting the rest of your question because there was more than just gear. Um, things that make you feel comfortable in your body. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that make those um, sports more like work better for you in your body. Okay. So hydration, super important. Um, also, like just like getting your regular hydration in every day, but extra when you are doing your training extra, especially if you're doing it outside in heat and that you're getting electrolytes as you need to and minerals and all that jazz. Um, also pre-workout stretch, 
necessary, <laughs> even if it's just like a warm up walk or something just to like get your muscles warm, helpful. So I always like for all my rides, I'll do like a warm up ride before I start. And it's like five minutes and it's just time to like get your body and your brain firing together. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then same deal, like when you finish any endurance is that you cool down properly with either you're running, do some type of walk. If you're biking, do a cool down, right? Just so you can lower your body temperature and then stretch. Mm-hmm. I always used to enjoy skipping the stretching. I'm pretty sure that did not do me any favors. <laughs> so now I am I am all about that stretch life. <laughs> yeah. And the, the longer stretching that you can do or yoga, like all of that helps. Um, mm-hmm. And give yourself sleep and recovery. And your general nutrition obviously supports the whole shebang of all that you do. So like Mm -hmm. eating foods that make you feel good and knowing that having balanced nutrition, including carbohydrates that fuel your energy, that's necessary. Yeah, that's so true. That's a big thing I've realized recently is since like I'm quite active, especially because I teach movement. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, have my own practice. I just, I personally feel better in my brain and in my body if I'm more active. And I I think, I I don't remember if I told you this or not, but I just recently realized like within the last two months that I don't think I've had enough protein like ever, (laughs) maybe on accident (laughs) sometimes Yeah. through like, you know, diet culture, um, teachings and eating disorder and the I was vegan for a while and all a bunch of allergies and stuff I don't think I was having enough protein ever and had this like I think it was because of the TikTok protein trend I don't I don't know know, like I'm on the movement side of TikTok obviously Mm -hmm. then TikTok is just like oh hey you like movement also you would like to know about food yeah (laughs) Yeah. it was actually helpful because I was like these you know these people were, you know, kind of the protein was like a lot. And I was like, how much are you supposed to have? And I talked with my like, um, health coach, I'll just call them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh yeah, it's like about this range. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I- <laughs> most days, yeah. I don't think I'm even hitting the low point. So, um, I guess a little tangent, but like, can you, um, t- touch talk briefly if you'd like or you know however long you want to about a little bit of the nutrition side of it if you don't mind yeah so like you were just talking about protein so I'll pick up there like protein is the (laughs) holy grail protein is all like protein is the little smiley face emoji with starry eyes for athletes (laughs) um yeah it's like what supports your muscle function and its ability to repair itself after every workout you do you're putting micro tears into your muscles mm-hmm. so unless you're getting enough quality re- protein in your body to heal those tears next time you do a workout you're just gonna keep ripping shit apart <laughs> yeah not great and also like if you're not getting you're not getting enough nutrients into your body and you're doing a a high level of activity 
your body, especially if it's lacking carbohydrates, will like cannibalize the muscle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely don't want that. No. <laughs> so have some protein, right? So um, as far as like for endurance, like I suggest to have like a small pre-workout meal, do some type of carbohydrate fueling during your workout with hydration for anything over an hour. And then after, within 30 minutes, do like, I call it a mini meal, but <laughs> whatever works for you, um, mm. just to have some carb and protein so you can start to do that recovery with your nutrition right after your workout. Um, but really your general nutrition that you do every single day, your daily nutrition, that's what supports your movement and your endurance. So like while the endurance, you know, getting your meal before the fueling and then afterward, that's all super important. The rest of it is your daily meal. And yeah. that's really like having just like a really good balanced meal several times a day, whatever that spacing, you know, even spacing for you so that your hormones don't go wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, you really want to have a balance of like protein, carbohydrate, healthy fats. Um, why am I? Vegetables. Hello. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm missing something green. Vegetables. Yes. Or all the yeah. colors of the vegetables and fruits. But yeah, so you just want to have like a nice, a nice balanced mixture at all your meals as much as possible. And like striving for things that are less processed in an athlete's body is going to help that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It's, um, it's probably not surprising, but it was, it feels surprising. And, um, I don't know, like a game changer realizing when I started eating more protein, I was like, Oh, Hey, I feel better. Like I have more energy and I'm also like anemic. So it was, it was yeah, like, okay, that was probably a double why. whammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's very interesting so <laughs> because with a lot of my clients, um, we work on increasing protein like per their needs. And honestly, nine times out of 10, the first thing when I'm like, well, how are you feeling since we've changed this? Oh, so much more energy now. I feel like I feel like awake in the morning. Yeah. Like, whoa. Well, eating breakfast will do that. But like <laughs> yeah. Having some protein at your breakfast will also do that. So yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Do you have I don't know if this question is going to make any sense, but it I I I thought of it when you were talking about protein at the beginning. So if, if you're not having enough protein means that you, your body can't repair the little tears from the workout. Does that mean that over time, if you don't have enough protein, are you more susceptible to injury? It can create, and also like um, not having enough protein can create like a low, um, your it like will lower your immune system response also. So oh, okay. you have more susceptibility to illness mm -hmm. and injury, both. So like. Mm -hmm. I always like to think about it like this. If you ever um, were in a situation where you had to go get a surgery, usually like with the thing that they send you home with, it'll say, have a lot of things with protein so that your body can start to heal itself. Oh. So if you think about 
the way that you're moving your body and it's got to heal itself just like it would from a major surgery. That's very interesting. It feels like, it feels like, and well, I just had another one of those aha moments of like, whoa, <laughs> <This is> like, <laughs> you know, I've experienced this in my past. So thank you for, for all of that information. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think this whole conversation is so helpful because there is really not, there are some um, endurance athletes and like um of I'm like different types like running weightlifting um biking I can't only think of those sports today for some reason yeah like hiking swimming Uh, like all that stuff yeah Yeah. thank you yeah yeah um there's there are more people out there who are in different sizes of bodies who are doing these things but I feel Mm -hmm. like for a lot of people they don't see that as much because it's like I don't know, a thousand people of the similar size body, like thin bodies, and then like 10 people, for example. Right. That's not literally, that's not a statistic. I'm just giving a random, yeah. random numbers, but that's what it feels like sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that this conversation, whether people listening are like, maybe you have no intention of ever becoming an endurance athlete or whatever, that's okay. I just really think it's important for you to know that your body size does not stop you from doing that if that's something you want to do and I think it's so important and helpful to have this content of like a people who are doing the things and in the larger bodies and they're you know trying to do 100 miles in one run which is more than I can't I can't even understand how long (laughs) yeah like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have ha- I have a client that I work with right now that she did she did a hundred mile race, that's awesome. and she's training for another one. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Awesomeness <laughs> and like hundred yeah. kers and like triathlete wow. and Ironman triathletes. Like, these people are amazing. Yeah. Um, but really, like, I think also when people like if they go to a race or like, um, sort of are a spectator at a race. They might not always see the larger bodies also if they don't stick around <laughs> till the very end because for a lot of larger bodied athletes, we might not have like a super quick pace, moving more mass, right? It's mm-hmm. science. Um, and a lot of people are back of the pack as far as runners go, right? Um, and Martinez Evans, he just came out with his book, which is 300 pounds and running. And he, I think he used to have a, he may still have his podcast. Um, super fun guy, but he's out there crushing it. Like there are a lot of, there are a lot of athletes in larger bodies. It's just at one race, maybe you see like a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I haven't seen the magical race yet. That's like all, all big bodies come to this race. (laughs) I think it would be difficult for geographic locations to all come together for one event, (laughs) but I, that would be fun. But like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, there's a tendency that because we're moving more mass, we're slower. We're at the back of the pack and people are still out there working harder, working longer, which is equally, if not more impressive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's so impressive. And 
it's just so cool to think of say like a client or a, a person who thinks they oh I can't do I can't run marathons because of my body size and then recognizing like wait a minute like the world is my oyster I can like I can do this if I want to I can start right. to train it I can start to or they do that and then like I I want to do an ultra marathon I think that one's after a marathon right I don't know yeah no you're <laughs> right and like I think like the takeaway is though that you can train and start training and whatever body you are in for whatever sport like if there's a sport that is interesting to you try yeah. and start training because the only thing that's going to stop you is yourself right <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And start at the beginning too. Don't like. Right. Don't like, obviously that. you're not going to crunch <laughs> out 26 miles on your first go. That's going to be an injury waiting oh, to happen. Sure. Yeah. And you're going to be in PT for a real long time. Yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> advice. True. No, definitely not. Start definitely with like 10 not. seconds. And then yeah. like, I think that's the other thing, like people like to bite off a lot. Like I'm going to go all in and start yeah. running or I'm going to go all in and I'm going to go to gym like six days a week. You don't have to start six days a week. No. You don't have to start a mile a day. Like mm -hmm. you could do 10 second running intervals for like 10 minutes every other day for a week and just see how it feels. And then let that tell you where you're going to go. But like, I think a lot of us are very regimented when we come up with a plan and what we want to do. Yeah. Or if we're taking someone else's plan because we don't trust our own choices, which that's its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely an adjustment sometimes. Is it mm -hmm. one of the things that I've discovered or I've sort of been doing in this um my like nowhere near and marathon for the record. I'm not even at 5K for anyone who's like, oh whoa, she's doing five five weeks in. No, no. I'm doing 3K, but <laughs> but you're um, still you're you're training fairly regularly, right? You're running yeah. often. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was doing three times a week. Today is the first it was like it was regimented. It was like Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. Um, except for today I woke up like yesterday I had a weird random foot uh pain injury thing which was not after running or anything it was like a, a, a the whole story of itself but <laughs> and it, that was one thing that I was like I found I felt a little bit sad about not being able to go even though I know mm -hmm. if I was going to put my you know get ready and put my shoes on I'd be like I don't want to do this but I was like I feel yeah. a little sad <laughs> that I'm not going <laughs> but um realizing that like I was tr trying to go way too fast and it's so much less like I feel so much less like I'm going to die if I'm not trying to run yes. so fast the whole time I slowed down and I was oh like gosh. not that it was like oh this is easy now but I was like wow I'm not actively you know in 1000 <laughs> I didn't understand that there were different running speeds when I started running like it was a sprint yeah. and if I wasn't panting that didn't feel like running yeah. <laughs> it took yeah. me literally, I think, almost like two years to figure out that there were different speeds that I could run. Mm -hmm. And then I could like, yeah, and then I could do intervals and like walk faster than just mm -hmm. like my normal like slow mall walk. 
<laughs> Mall blast, that's funny. But like, yeah, it's just, um, yeah. I think if you come into running like fresh, it's like you're full throttle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love this conversation. I feel like it could keep on. I know. I it's so fun. Every time I have a guest, but <laughs> and I always mean it, but this has been such a great conversation. And I feel like we could easily do another one sometime if you're up for it. I'm if you're listening down. and you, oh, it's awesome. If you're listening and you have any questions, I and you're listening specifically on Spotify, because I don't know how the other ones work, you might be able to scroll down. And I think there's like a question box. Like, how do you think, what do you think of this episode? Fairly new feature. So I don't know if it's on everybody's Spotify, but if you have any questions for myself or for Bethany that we would, you know, we could bring into another episode, feel free to scroll down. If you don't use Spotify, you can also send it to info at movewithbilly.com. And I'll just make sure I like bookmark it to come back to because I think there's so much more we could chat about um thank you so much for being here can you tell people where to find you yes and thank you so much for having me um you guys can find me on my well first of all I'm on Instagram and Facebook at be better with Bethany b-e better not just the letter b but Billy will have it linked in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, my website is bebetterwithbethany.com. And on there, if you are new to my world, um, there is a way that you can work with me free. Um, I have a five-day video series called Spark. And that is a way to get started building some healthy habits and taking action today so you can start building that accountability with yourself and it's really fun and you have me in your back pocket like coach <laughs> in your pocket for like five days um and I also have if you are specifically an endurance athlete I have a program for endurance athletes called fuel and my health and wellness coaching community called the bonfire and I also work with one-on-one -on -one clients in my program nourish cool that's awesome Oh, got a lot of options for folks. I love it. Yep, there's a lot going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Um, again, I really love this conversation. Yeah, super um, fun. Yeah, it's so fun. I, I, if you're listening, as I said, if you have questions, if you have feedback, um, send it to info at moveithbilly.com, B-I-L-L-I-E. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's guess it, movewithbilly. Same thing on TikTok, same thing on Facebook. I say this every week, so you probably have heard this 5 million times or 50, what is this, 58? I don't remember. But I am mainly on Instagram and I will have a conversation with you on Instagram. On the other ones, I don't really know how those, <laughs> I don't really know how those other ones work and I probably won't get the message for like a week. Um, and you can check my website out, movewithbilly.com. It's in the show notes. There's a option to get um, sign up for the newsletter and get a bunch of stuff on starting an anti-diet movement practice. If you're totally new and you're at the stage where you're like, where do I start? That is the perfect place to go. So all of these links will be in the show notes. I'll do my best to put some of the other resources that Bethany gave us in the show notes too. Um, but if we miss them, if you want, you can always just reach out to either of us and thanks so much for listening. Bye.